Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online by going to gracelife.church. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the gracelife.church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. In a series that we started last week. Today is part two. The whole series is called God Within. And uh, if you're here for the first time and you missed that, you can go back to our website or on our app and you can catch part one. But the whole series is built off of this one verse out of 1 Corinthians that says, Do you not know you are God's temple? And His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, dwells in you. You are God's temple and His Spirit dwells in you. And this is a, honestly, it's a new topic for a lot of people. I've had many people come up to me last week and and even after the first services so far today and say, I've never heard this. I've gone to church my whole life and I've never heard this kind of stuff. And the reason is very, very simple. We all have different backgrounds, every single one of us. We've got people in here from a Baptist background, some with a Catholic background, some maybe Presbyterian, some whatever other fill-in-the-blank denomination that you want to add in there. We've got some of us never grew up in church at all. We've got people who went to church their entire lives. We've got people who come from a background where God was talked about in your home. God was revered. We've got people who come from a background where God was not talked about in your home. We've got people who come from a background where God was not even liked in your home. We, we, we've, we all come from different places, Right. And so even if you grew up in church, well, there are some things we, we know what to do with and it's easy to talk about, like, like God. When we say God, uh, most of the time we're talking about the Father in the Trinity. You can use the word and it's okay. Uh, but we know what to do with the Father. He's sovereign. He's big. He created the world. He, he's, he's the man, right? Like we, we know. Let's, let's talk about God. He should be worshipped, you know, and he should be exalted. Jesus, we, we know what to do with Jesus. He, he came, he died on the cross, he rose again. We need to believe in him. Let's, let's, let's trust in him for our faith. The Holy Spirit, that's when it gets weird. And we don't know what to do with that. Matter of fact, some churches don't want to do anything with it because if you start talking about the Holy Spirit, some people get too excited and they leave their seats. And then it gets really weird. Come on, you all know what I'm talking about, right? And so we, we don't know what to do with this spiritual conversation. Well, my background happens to be a church background. I, I did grow up going to church, and I'm, I'm a little bit of a hodgepodge of a few different things. And, uh, you know, the, the thing about growing up going to church is you develop a mental image of God. Actually, the truth is every devo- everybody develops a mental image of God. It, it's just different for whatever your background is. And my mental image of God looked like this because of, of a very... Uh, I don't know, just a, a very distinct poster that was in the, the church building. It was in the classroom where I had Sunday school when I was very young. So it was one of those first things that kind of formed my thinking. You can probably all think back to something someone said or a TV show you saw or something somebody preached. But there was this picture of this really big man with long flowing white hair. And he's got a globe. He's got a little planet Earth in his hands. Come on, y'all know what, where I'm going with this, right? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world. There you go. I'm going to stop right there. Because if I go any further, I'm going to go atonal real fast. I can't carry a tune very long. And so my image, though, my mental image of God is, is that he's out there looking down upon us here. You know, that was just kind of my mental image. And even though they they correctly taught you in church, they correctly taught me that God sees everything, you know that like he's out there, this is here, 
And I even remember going up to the poster and looking at the globe and trying to figure out if North America, where I lived, was on the side he was looking at or if it was like buried on one of his knuckles or something, you know. Because we all have that moment where we know God sees everything. We just really hope he wasn't paying attention to us very well. Like seventh grade math class, teacher says, did you do your homework? And you say, "Uh, no, the dog ate it or something like that. And you're hoping that that I'm not about to get struck down in seventh grade math class, seriously. Or like when you lie to your mama or something, you're like, God, please tell me I'm on the other side. And you're, you're not really paying attention. I mean, there's important stuff going on, God. Have you noticed there's like wars and all kinds of things? Don't pay attention to me in math class while I'm lying to my teacher. Just, just kind of overlook that. And we all have this. But then we realize when we find out that we're his temple and God's spirit dwells within. And it starts to mess with the mental image that God's out here looking down upon us like that. And it's a really good image to help us understand God is big. God is sovereign. God does have control of everything on the earth. He's got the whole world in his hands. But the truth is he's living on the world. He's living in us. He's, he's right here. And some of us, we, we go, wow, God, are you even paying attention as I'm going through this? Were you even hearing my prayers? Do you even know what I'm going through? And the good news is, yeah, he saw what you were going through because he was going through it with you. He was right there. And so when we talk about this, uh, our life group talks about the Holy Spirit. And as we, we begin to talk about this idea, God lives within you, it raises a question. And so in my life group, I'll always ask this question. How many of you are, and this isn't for you, you don't have to raise your hands. How many of you are comforted by the the knowledge that God is like, he's here. He's like, he's right there with you. He feels what you feel. He knows what you need. It's always, and and about half of the hands in the room, it's usually a pretty good 50-50 split. About half of the hands in the room go up and say, yes, I am comforted to know God is always with me. And it kind of makes you wonder, of course, why not everybody? Why isn't everybody like really comforted that God's right there? Well, well, that's because of the second question. And the second question is, how many of you are really scared (laughs) when you realize like, yeah, it wasn't that God wasn't watching. God, he was with you when you did that thing. He was there when you lied to your seventh grade teacher. He was there when you lied to your mama. He, and it makes you go, oh, I don't know about that. You know, you, and so what I want us to talk about today is this, this struggle. I think we all struggle, depending on the day of the week and where you are in your life. But we struggle with the idea of enjoying this closeness with God. Because although there are days we really want him close There are days where we're not having a very good day, and we really wish he was not so close. Matter of fact, we wish he wasn't even watching, right? And and so that's what we're going to look at. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to John chapter 14. We're going to pick up really right where we left off last week as Jesus was talking to his disciples. And if you don't have your Bibles, don't worry, it's going to be on the screen right here. let Let me set the stage again for where we were. Jesus has been talking to his disciples. He's getting ready to leave, and, and he's out. He's going to heaven. He knows what's coming up, and he's, he's starting to say some things to them that are a little confusing, like, hey, I'm, I'm going to go, uh, and I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And where I'm going, uh, you don't know. And they're like, what, what? What are you talking about? Would you quit talking in riddles? Hey, man, would you just show us the Father? So then he starts saying, hey, look, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. The Father and I are one. And matter of fact, if you don't believe me, just believe what you've seen me do. Believe my works. Because the works I did, they were the Father working through me. And that was right 
before, he said, where we ended off last week in verse 12, where he said, look, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Remember, he just said, if you don't believe in me, but at least believe the works I do, because that's because of the Father working in me. And he says, now, you also will do the works that I do, and greater works than these will I do, because I'm going to the Father. And you walked out of here last week like on cloud nine. I mean, some of you, like, you were that far off the ground, like, whoo, but this is going to be awesome. Awesome. We get to do greater stuff than Jesus did. Like he raised the dead. I'm going down to the morgue. I'm going to start praying for some people. I'm going to make headlines. It's going to be cool. He made sick people well. I'm going to go to the hospital. Like he fed 5,000 people with nothing. You're thinking like, I'm never buying groceries again. I'm just going to like stand in my kitchen and pray. It's going to be awesome because I'm going to do greater works than him. And you were out here like, man, I am, this is going to be cool. This is going to be so much. I can't wait for the rest of this series. And you ever read the Bible and just wish Jesus would stop talking. Come on, anybody? If, you, if you're not laughing with me, it's because you haven't read the Bible. Uh, because here's what happens. Jesus says one of those things where you're like, yeah, come on, man, I'm into this. And then he keeps talking and says something that like messes up your life. You're like, man, no, 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 can we just go back to the whole part where I'm going to do greater things? Like I'm going to walk on water. I'm going to raise the dead. I'm going to like, you know, not be able to buy groceries or whatever. Truth is, I don't know that that's really God's intent for you to never buy groceries again. But I do know it's God's intent for us to see a whole lot more power in our lives than we're seeing. And, and so you can go back and catch more of that in part one if you need to. And so right after Jesus says, you're going to do greater things than me, he, he, he hurts us. Here's what he says in verse 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Oh, seriously, Jesus? Like, like we were doing good. I was happy with that whole thing. Now you want to go getting into all the rules and making sure I'm doing the right thing. And honestly... This is where we get scared because we know we don't follow his commandments perfectly. We, we know that sometimes we get some of them wrong. We know that God says, hey, look, be holy because I'm holy. And we know that none of us are perfectly holy. And, and this is where we begin to go, but he, he's with me all the time. And I know that I'm missing some commandments and I know that I'm not, I'm not being holy like I need to be. And this is where we, we kind of begin to back away from embracing the idea that God is right there with us all the time. We begin to get just a little bit scared of it. And we struggle with the idea of being holy. And, and I've watched in, in my time as a pastor, I've watched people react differently to this idea of be holy because I'm holy. Keep my commandments. That, that whole concept. And Well, some of us, well, here's what we do. We, we just, we try to be holy. We, we try to be holy. If you were here last week, we talked about one of the difficulties with inviting someone who doesn't believe into the, the Christian life is that we've dumbed down the Christian life to uh, believe, behave, go to church, rinse and repeat. Believe, behave, go to church, rinse and repeat week after week after week. And then people get, get that's boring, man. And, and there is so much more. God wants more for us, right? We talked about that in part one. If you missed it, go get it. And, and, and we want more for us than that. We want what God wants for us. But we're the, if, if we're the try and behave people, we're really good at the behave part. We've become experts at the behave part. And you guys know what I'm talking about. You were probably straight A students in school because you just, you were behave. That's what you did. If there was a test, you studied for it. If there was homework, you did it. If your mama said, go to bed, you went to bed. And if God made 10 commandments, you came up with an 11th one because you just want to be extra good. That's just who you are, you know? You're just really good at following all the rules. And you, you've gotten to where you make sure you do your Bible reading every day, you pray every day, you go to church every week. And although all of those things are important, you've missed the point. And you started to think that you'll become holy as a result of the activity. 
Like if I'm just busy doing good stuff, then somehow I'm going to feel holy, so I'm going to try to be holy by doing all this stuff. You know, when you first started following Jesus, and you said, I'm going to read the Bible, you pulled out your Bible, and, and you, you said something like this to God, like, God, as, as I read this, I just, I just pray you'll speak to me. I, I pray you will change me, make me more like you. Just bring your word to life today. And then you started reading but then after a while, we get into the trying to be holy and follow the rules, and it goes like this. Man, I ain't got but 10 minutes. I got to be at work. All right, Bible reading that. What I got to do today? And you start as fast as you can, get through that. Oh, I have to stop at verse 13. There we go. Just so that we can do this. Click. You have completed your Bible reading for the day, is what your Bible app says to you. And you feel all good about yourself. And in the car on the way to work, you're praying, God bless my family, that's all I got time for. Right? And then you go to church every, every Sunday, we gotta go to church. Let's get everybody get ready, get out of the house, come on, kids. We gotta go, we gotta go to church. And and we've missed it. You know what this is supposed to be about? We we should never wake up with let's go to church, gotta go to church, whatever I think. Rephrase this. Next Sunday morning, I want you to think, man, today, guess what I get to do? I get to go and stand in the presence of Yahweh, Jehovah, the one true living God, the creator of the universe. And I get to be in a room with hundreds of other believers. And that's not even the important part because the cool part is I get to be in a room with the angels, the host of heaven. As we're singing, they're going to shout with us and they're going to celebrate the goodness of God. And that's amazing. And that is what going to church is supposed to be about. Y'all do know, like, there are angels in the room. We lose sight of the majesty of the event of coming together as God's family and worshiping and the host of heaven joining in. That's what Scripture tells us. Because, we, we, again, we have the idea of God is back here looking at us down there in his hand. We, we imagine the angels are, like, somewhere right about here just kind of, like, hovering over things. You know, like they ride on clouds and play harps and stuff like that. But the Bible tells us they're all around us. Matter of fact, some of you might have like sat on one and they had to jump out of your way or something because y'all, y'all come in and you're like, get out of my way, man. Even all the humans know this is my seat. Third service right here every single time. Get, you just move on over there. Your wings are big. One more chair. And we lose sight of that. To go. Let me go to church. Check a box. Let me read my Bible. Check a box. Let me go to church. Again, check a box. Let me go to because I'm trying hard to be holy. And it turns into legalism. Where you're just trying to do rule after rule after rule after rule, and you think as long as you keep doing those rules, you're going to somehow suddenly become something you're not. And the problem with legalism is it stinks to people. God's not impressed with it either, but it stinks to people. Some of us, we're actually not in that group. We don't try to be holy, (laughs) we just pretend. I'm glad y'all thought that was funny. Because it must be those people who weren't laughing when I said that over there. You know what I'm talking about? There, there are posers in the world. There, seriously, there are people who just, they go to church, they smile, they check in on Facebook. Look, Mom, I'm at church. And then they just go do whatever they want the rest of the week. They don't care. They live any way they want. I'll preach on something. They just smile. Good message, Pastor. Appreciate that. Knowing they aren't going to do one word of it. Because they are just pretending. If I pretend, then, then that'll work. The world will think that I'm a pretty good person. The world will think I'm a good Christian. The world will think I'm holy. I'm just going to keep pretending. You know what the problem is with pretending? Nobody's fooled. Nobody's, none of you are good enough at acting to get an Academy Award, just so you know. Like, nobody is fooled by your fakeness. The whole fake it till you make it thing, you're never going to make it. Here's what actually ends up happening. Nobody's impressed. You, most of all, are not impressed. You begin to reach a point where you dislike yourself. 
Because you look in the mirror and you hang your head because you know what everybody thinks of you isn't who you really are. And that's not even the travesty. The real travesty is that once you begin to hate yourself, you believe God does too. And you believe that because you're faking being close to God and being like God. So how in the world could God like you if you don't even like yourself and you are faking his whole thing? Lie of the enemy. See, here's the good news. The Bible tells us that while you were not holy, while you were sinners, long before you ever said one good word about God, he sent his son to die for you because he loves you. And right now, I just want to encourage you to throw that lie away. If you are faking it, if you are pretending, if you are hoping nobody will notice what's really going on, God already knows. He, as he sees every bit of it. He's watching, and he still died for you. And he is ready for you to stop faking the idea that you're a child of God and to actually look at him and say, Daddy, help me. And he's like, I'm here for you. Some of us, we're not trying, we're not pretending. There's another group of us. and Well, we're the ones that just believe we are. We believe we're holy. And when I say that, I just mean with respect to everybody else, of course, right? You know, we know we're not as holy as God, but just look around. I mean, y'all seen those people over there? I mean, we know that if God looks down from heaven, God, have you read the headlines? Like, there's mass murderers down here. There are people doing stupid stuff. They bury people in their own backyards, and it gets dug up later when somebody else buys a house. Have you read these headlines, God? God, there are like warlords in jungles. There are drug dealers. I mean, come on. When you look at the world, you've got a big set of problems, and I'm not in it. I mean, I'm one of your good kids, God. I mean, seriously, like, if you were to come down here right now, I'm pretty sure I would get a pat on the back compared to the dude sitting next to me in church because he's a poser. You know? <laughs> Y'all not laughing with me, but this is serious. <laughs> Y'all not laughing because I know exactly what I'm talking about. We just, well, of course I can't be holy. Only God is holy. But at least I'm better than these people. I'm pretty good at it. Here's the good news. Uh, those three ways don't work. And there is a way that works. There is one other way, and it is actually the way that God intends for us. It's the very way that Jesus is talking about. So let's pick up where we left off, where Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Now, this is important because as we see that, sometimes we miss this. It goes all the way back through the Old Testament. If you go through the Old Testament and you see the word help, it, it usually is talking about what the Lord will do in your life. Jesus said, I lift up my eyes. Where does my help come from? It comes from him. It comes from the Lord. The Lord is my helper. And then Jesus showed up as the helper in the flesh. He's like, look, I'm helping you guys. I am, I'm showing you who the God is. I'm teaching you about the kingdom. I'm feeding you sometimes. I'm teaching you everything. I spent 40 days with you after I was crucified and, and taught you all about the I've been your helper but I'm gonna send another helper in other words I'm gonna send another not less than me I'm gonna send another who's on the same par with me and here's the good news because I know you guys are really disappointed that I've done this three-year thing and I'm out because I came for a mission I did my mission and now I'm 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 out he check this out will be with you forever I'm going to send another helper. There's going to be another one of me to come, but he's going to come in a little bit different way, but, it, but he's no less than me. He, he's coming with all the same power, all the same fullness, all the same godness, and he is going to be with you 24-7. Who is this? 
He's the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you, no, 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 here's the cool part. You, you know him. And you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. If you jump down a little bit, Jesus comes back right at this thing and says, these things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the helper, capital H, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things to bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. And I think it'd go, praise God, we don't even have to depend upon our natural strength to get this right. We don't have to depend upon our memory because Holy Spirit's going to bring it all back to us. And that's all the old people go, amen to that one, right? Come on, somebody with me. You know, I mean, I count myself in that now because I'm like 46 and people ask me questions. I don't remember the I'm like, sometimes I call people by the wrong name and they, they worked for me for five years. I'm, like, I'm sorry, my memory just, that little memory lapse thing there, you know. See, here's the problem, young people. See, when I was in my 20s, I thought old people just got stupider as they got older, <laughs> you know. And I know you think that too because my kids have told me that sometimes about me. They just, oh, well, you're old, daddy. I'm like, excuse me? But anyway, that's beside the point. Here's, it's, it's not that, that they, we get stupider as we get older. It's because we just got so much more valuable stuff up here. Takes a little longer to filter through it and locate it sometime. I mean, you ever heard a 12-year-old be like, well, I don't understand how you can't remember that, Dad. I remember everything. I remember when we, well, of course you remember when. You've only got like three wins up there in your brain, man. <laughs> you remember when we went to Disney and you remember when you had a birthday. I mean, what else is there? Nobody knows anything before three. You've only got nine years worth of stuff. Do you know how many wins, who's, what's, where's, and why's in my head? That was funny, but seriously, Jesus said, look, you, you don't have to try to get every word. Here's the good news. There's no way that you wrote down the Sermon on the Mount. Well, that one did. Good. Matthew, thank you, Matthew. I'm glad somebody's going to want that. But the rest of you, you can't remember it. So here, here's the deal. The Holy Spirit's going to bring it back to you. You're just going to be doing life, and you're all of a sudden going to hear this voice that goes, hey, you remember what Jesus said about forgiving? Oh, I don't want to forgive you. I don't like it, but it's going to bring to remembrance what we're supposed to do. Because here's the truth. We are meant to be holy. We are meant to be holy. The truth is we are meant to follow his commands perfectly. The mistake, we're not supposed to do it alone. We were never meant to wake up, go to church, and then go, okay, now I'll try really hard to be really God. You know, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to get this right. You know, I'm going to get up every day and I'm going to no, I'm supposed to wake up and go, thank you, God, you're going to help me. Because without your help, I'm in trouble. Thank you, God, you're going to help me. Here, here's what he helps us do. This is in 2 Corinthians, real quick. It's the last thing I want to do with, here we go. It says, we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. Let me just stop and explain that for a minute. See, he's, he's referring back to what happened with Moses in the Old Testament. Moses went up on a mountain, spent time with God, and he was so changed by being in the presence of God that he glowed. And he, because he glowed, that he had to put a veil over his face because of the glory of the Lord that shone, and it was going to blind people. And Paul here is saying, hey, look, we're not going to wear a veil and we're going to still see the glory. Without our veil, we're going to see the glory of God. And here's what he says. We are going to be transformed into the same image we're looking at. That's the glory. We're going to be transformed to that image from one degree of glory to another. And the good news, this comes from the Holy Spirit. This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You see, a lot of us have heard this verse, but we read it differently. 
We try to live it differently. Because we read it like this. We're being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from my really hard work. We're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another because I'm going to try really hard to be holy and do all the right things and hope I never fail. None of those. But it says we're going to be changed from one degree of glory to the next, to the next, to the next by the Holy Spirit. This is a process, big Bible word for you called sanctification. It's a, it's a partnership between the Holy Spirit and us to become more like the image that we're looking at, the more like God. And I would always ask in, in my life group that question, and when I would ask that question in my life group, it would always be pretty much 50. Half of us are happy and comforted God's with us. The other half is like, oh my gosh, as we think about what we did last week. And I was doing my life group one time, and this was several years ago, and in this time in particular, maybe it was just the way that I was teaching it and preaching it, but uh, it wasn't a 50-50 split. I think I'd scared people because it was like 75, 80% of the people were like, I'm scared to know God that close. It was, and the whole group was kind of freaking out and having a moment. And there was this guy in the group, still in the church today, he's a very, very quiet guy. He's an introvert, almost never talks. You guys probably have seen him many, many times. And he's probably never said a word to you, unless you're a close friend. Matter of fact, I'm a close friend. I still barely hear him talk. He just doesn't talk much. He had never said a word in my group. And as everybody is freaking out, he just kind of raises a little hand and goes. And we'll put this on the screen for you, because it was the most mind-opening thought, the most like freeing thought, and I wish I could take credit for it. And I just steal it and preach it from now on. But, but, but I wish I could I came with it. Here's what he said. Well, you know, God knew you weren't a model home. He knew you were a fixer-upper when the Holy Spirit moved in. He came to renovate. Because we all are like, hey, honey, guests are coming over. Let's, let's fix this. Let's clean up. Let's get a little tie on. The guests are coming over. Have you, have you changed the sheets in the guest bedroom? And we get the idea, oh, the Holy Spirit's coming. Let me try really hard to be holy. Oh, let me, let me pretend. No, 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 here's the good news. God knew you were a liar when he sent the Holy Spirit. God knew you were a faker. God knew you had a lust problem. God knew you were a materialistic person. God knew whatever your issues are. He didn't send the Holy Spirit to be impressed with you, because that ain't going to happen. <laughs> Just so you know, he sent the Holy Spirit to help you. He sent the Holy Spirit to renovate. That whole being transformed from one degree of glory to the next. You know, sometimes we look and just go, I... I'll be honest, Jimmy, I don't know if you could even use the word glory for my life right now. That's okay. So here's the encouraging part. That verse does not say we are being transformed instantly after one good sermon. No. We're being transformed from one degree to the next. You know what that means? Wake up tomorrow, look at God. How do you look at God? That's why this is not a box you check. This is how you look at God. This is his revelation of himself to us. This is him showing us who he is. And you look at that, and you find something that doesn't line up with this. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, you take one step. One step. Today, go be a little less angry by the help of the Holy Spirit. The next day you wake up, and you look at that image. Look at the mirror. 
You go, Holy Spirit, what are we going to work on today? We're going to say that attitude toward your boss because you don't love him. But Jesus said, love your enemies. All right, one step closer to that image right there. Walk in, hey boss, how you doing? I was praying for you this morning, just so you know. Next day, Holy Spirit, what are we going to do? One step closer to that image. See, it's not about waking up and trying to be perfect because you hear the Holy Spirit's living close to you and you're like, oh my gosh. Nope. It's about one step, one step, one step. So I'm going to leave you with a very, a very simple question. If you know the Holy Spirit has come to live inside of you, to renovate you, to make you more like God, how are you going to respond? you got three choices. I've watched people do all three. Some we ignore. You see, the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us in a spiritual voice. There are many things that the Holy Spirit does in our life. I don't have time to give you the whole list right now, so I'm just going to give you one. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit begins to convict us. And as you start following Jesus, you'll know you feel differently about stuff. You start to feel like wrong or bad or something for things that you used to do and not care about suddenly you care what what is that feeling well the truth is you're feeling what god feels toward that but some of us we just like i'm gonna i'm gonna gonna put that away i'm gonna pretend i don't feel that somebody hurts you you get really upset with them and you're angry and you begin to feel something right here because you're just stewing over how mean that what they've done wrong you're just you're just stewing, stewing, stewing. You have something to feel. You know what that feeling is. But you just don't want it. Mm, mm, mm. We ignore. Because the other choice is to pay attention to that feeling. And then this is group two. We reject it. See, if you don't ignore that feeling of conviction, then you actually have to have a conversation with God. God, why do I feel this way? Uh, well, because you are refusing to forgive. But do you remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, forgive as you have been forgiven. And since you've been forgiven of everything and you're going to heaven, I need you to go back over to that person and not be mad at them anymore. I don't care. Because you don't know how much they hurt me. If you knew what they did to me, it is unforgivable. A human shouldn't be allowed to do that kind of thing to me when I was that age. Are you kidding me? You want me to... I reject that. I will not. start feeling a little something when you do something that you know God has said no to you feel some of us just try to ignore it we just try to go on our way we distract ourselves with what we're watching what we're listening to who we're talking to hanging around so we try to keep that feeling to where we don't have to pay attention to it but maybe maybe you go beyond ignoring it you actually pay attention to that feeling but then you reject it when you realize what it is it's conviction saying "Uh uh-uh man that's not what God wants for you don't do that and you say I don't care what God wants You know, there used to be a time I went to church every week. I read my Bible all the time. I did everything my mama wanted me to do, everything I thought God wanted me to do. And then he didn't answer that prayer. He didn't show up. And my life is like fill in the blank. So you know what? I'll just do what I want. The question is, are you going to ignore the Holy Spirit? Are you going to reject the Holy Spirit? Or my hope, you'll surrender to the Holy Spirit. Surrender. Have your way. You know, we like to use the language here that Jesus is our king. Maybe you come from an environment where you're used to saying Jesus is Lord and Savior. It's the same. It's all good. 
But the reason I like to use the word king is because you get a mental image of a king, and maybe we struggle with that a little bit because, you know, we live in a democracy. If we don't like our leader, we just vote them out and wait, wait a few years and they're gone. But when a king, when a king is on his throne, there's no voting him out. And when a king speaks, you're done. When the king says, forgive, you forgive. When the king says, don't lie, you don't lie. When the king says, bless those who curse you, you go bless those who curse you. When the king has spoken, you are done. You surrender. And if Jesus is our king and it is the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, then our king lives within. And it is our king that is giving us that feeling. It is our king that is saying, ah, pay attention to me right now. I need to talk to you because I need to remind you of all those things that Jesus said right now. I need to, I need to bring one of them up if you're listening. We surrender. I, I kind of changed everything during the first service. I was standing in worship, and I noticed the song we were singing. And so I, I sent a message to our worship team that we were going to end differently. Unfortunately, the message didn't get to them. So I, I threw it on them, and they walked out on stage to do this closing song here. And uh, they got a surprise. But the good news, they're prepared for you. But here's what we're going to do. We were singing a song earlier. And it was about surrender. And I'm going to ask them to put the words up here so you can look at these again as we talk through them. But we were singing this song that said, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come and flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. And I'm going to tell you, we need to sing that. We need to sing it exactly like we were singing it. Because what we're saying is, if you aren't here, we've got nothing. We need you to come in this place. We need you to fill this place. We need you to do miracles. We need you to reach down from heaven. We need you to work through every one of us. We need you to heal broken bodies and to heal broken hearts. And we want to see your majesty in such a way. I long for the day that we experience like what we read about in the Bible when King Solomon tried to dedicate the temple. And and they had sermons prepared they couldn't do. They had songs they were going to sing they couldn't sing because the glory of the Lord filled the place so much that they were falling on their faces and they couldn't move. I would love to see that kind of a day when we come in here and that happens. I'd love to see one of you stand up halfway in the middle of my talking to go get more coffee and you just smack right into the Holy Spirit so thick. You're like, uh-uh, sit back down and listen. I'm not, you're not going to get coffee right now. I would love it. It would be awesome. We need to sing that song to say, come Holy Spirit, have your way during this time in this room, in this place. But as much as we need to do that, as much as we need to do that, we're going to finish the song by singing it in a completely different way. Because we also need to do something else. Look at the words again. Because here's what we need to say. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Temple of God. And you are welcome here. Come flood this place. This place. Fill this atmosphere because let me tell you, the atmosphere up here, man, it is distracted. It's got all kinds of thoughts from the world, all kinds of feelings. There's, man, fill this atmosphere. 
because it is your glory, God, that this heart longs for to such a point to be overcome that I would have to surrender to your presence, which is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Can I pray for you? God, we thank you that you are so good that even though we are not holy, you send your Holy Spirit to change us, to transform us. You dwell within your unholy, imperfect children. How amazing is that love? If there's anyone here today who's ever believed that God doesn't love you, just think about that, that he dwells within a very sin nature that offends him, all to reach you in love. Wow. God, we thank you that you do that for us. And God, we, we want to be people who surrender to you, who come before you and say, Holy Spirit, have your way, not just in this room, but in me. Speak to me, I'm going to listen. Challenge me, I'm going to respond. Correct me, I'm going to repent. Come Holy Spirit and have your way. If you would just stay in a place of prayer, I wanna to talk to those of you who have yet to make Jesus your king. And it could be for the very reasons we've talked about today that we know that you're just not holy and that there is some stuff that separates you from him. And you've honestly maybe been scared to come to God. But if that's the case, the good news is he loves you so much. He sent his son to die for you before you had ever done one thing wrong. And before you ever do one thing right. That's how much he loves you. And if you want his spirit dwelling within you, if you want the presence of God to never leave you, his promise is that he would put his spirit in those who believe in him. It's not a promise to every human. It's a promise to his children. So if you've never embraced Jesus as your king, if you want the spirit of God to live inside of you, if you want to be forgiven, if you want eternal life, then right now, there's never been a better time to surrender your entire life to him. I'm not going to ask you to do anything embarrassing or to stand up or anything at all. I'm just going to pray with you right where you're seated. Would you join me and pray something like this to yourself and to God? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now I want to live for you. I thank you that you love me. And I thank you that I'm forgiven. My simple prayer here today, fill me with your spirit. And give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people, everybody. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.